Let's pray. Lord, we, do, we just thank you for your willingness, your involvement in our lives. That you love us so much that you won't, don't want us to stay in the same condition. That you're shepherding us, you're leading us, you're transforming us, you're pruning us, you're making us into what you want. Lord, we just thank you that we're part of the body of Christ. And we're, uh, we pray that we would be pliable. We pray that we'd be teachable. We pray that we would be humble to receive from you, to receive correction if need be, and to move forward, to admit when we're wrong, and to uh, love one another as you love the church and gave your life for it. I just pray, Lord, your blessing upon this word today. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So we know that this today is, they call it the Passion Week. You know, and, you know, nowadays, I mean, in, in our modern times, I don't know why it's so difficult to keep a calendar straight, but you look into these things and it's like because the Jews had a lunar calendar and we're on the Gregorian calendar and all these things, they got all mixed up, you know. Sometimes Passover coincides with um, the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ and other times it doesn't because they're on different calendars and sometimes they uh, come together and this is year is not, uh, not one of those times but the facts of this word actually happen you know it just seems like the devil likes to throw things in there and scramble things so it, it gets kind of out of out of sync or whatever and it gets more complex than what it should be you've heard stories about you know people go to Israel and then if anybody's ever been there and they go, well, this is a site where this and this happened over here. And then there's another site over there and says, but this is the real site where that really happened, you know. And so all these things are always in question. But the word of God stands as a record. And what happened in this Bible is true. And it was chronicled. And I find this interesting that this event that took place 2,000 years ago, the triumphal entry so-called, is in all four Gospels. It's not just in one gospel, it's in the synoptic gospel that means Matthew, Mark, Luke, as well as John. John is a little different than the others, but it's in all four and it's listed. So this is an important event that took place here. When it's in all four, it's something that we should pay attention to. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. In Matthew, it's in uh, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. In Mark, it's in, it's in 11, 1 through 11. In Luke, it's 19. Through uh, 28 through 40, and in John it's 12 to 19. It's kind of a rare thing to have it in all four Gospels. A lot of times, like I said, the Synoptic Gospels, they're written from sort of a similar perspective, and in John's Gospel is written differently. But to have it all in four Gospels, so it's meaningful. There's a reason why this is. So this is where Christ uh, was hailed as Messiah. He was hailed as King. And it's an interesting story how this came to be. Um, this was something that was prophesied. And if people were paying attention to scripture, um, I'm not sure if there was that people... You know, a lot of things about uh, prophecy, it's this. A lot of times it's, it's inscribed in the word of God, but it's actually hidden until the event takes place. We don't see it until after the event. Like if you were to read Psalm 22, you go, obviously they're talking about Jesus. But before Jesus was crucified, you go, I don't know. You know, it's kind of like the eunuch. Is he speaking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? But after the fact, we can look back on it and say, obviously this is about Jesus. Um, Isaiah 53, another one that's obviously about Jesus, but it's 
it's encrypted in there. It's, it's, it's a history written in advance. And when we look back at it, we go, wow, yeah, there it is. I've heard that even in the Jewish synagogues that they won't read those two scriptures as they're going through their scriptures. They can't read it because it's just so obviously about Jesus. It would be an indictment. And then other people say, well, the prophecies in the Bible were changed because they just wanted to make them fit the scenario of Christ. And that's not so because we have a hostile witness that are very meticulous about the inscribing of the word of God. And they're not going to allow people to go in there and tamper with these things to make Jesus into the Messiah or fulfill dates and times and all these things. They're not going to allow that because they're the keeper of the records and they're a hostile witness because they said, no, Jesus was not the Messiah by and large. So it's a record that stands. And one of the things that took place was in the book of Daniel. And Daniel was a person who was exiled to Babylon. We know Daniel as the prophet. And you know, he was taken there at a young age, and he was subjected to the Babylonian ways, and he grew up over there, and he stood apart. He was sanctified for God's purposes over there, and we read this, uh, his account. Daniel is a really interesting book. We went through it in the Bible study, and talking about the things, you know, the lion's den, you know, the um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are his peers, uh, not bowing down to the statue. And just, you know, their sanctification in this. The reason why that they were there, God set it up when they came into the promised land. He says, all right, this is the way it's going to go. I want you guys to sow and reap for six years. And on the seventh year, I don't want you planning anything. I don't want you doing any work. I just want you to rest and live off what was in the land for that year. And because people were so ambitious and we think we know better than God... I've been there myself. God had blessed us tremendously as a family. Next thing you know, I don't got no time for church because I'm so blessed. I got I to gotta build this and do this and that. And I'm working on Sunday and I don't got no time for God. After he tremendously blessed us as a family. We put God first. I think you guys are honoring the Lord by being here on the first day of the week. And taking time to be in the presence of God. We all got stuff to do. We all got things, but we honor God. We're here on the first day of the week. According to this New Testament, was the day that the early church, this is not the Sabbath, the Sabbath is Saturday, but it says that the church chose to gather together on this day because this is the day that Christ resurrected. Actually, this was the day of the triumphal entry. It was the first day of the week. He came in. That's why we call it the Passion Week. Passion Week. He came in. So anyway, getting back to Daniel... These guys get exiled to Babylon for 70 years. Jeremiah prophesied about it. He talked about it. And they're over there and they're waiting. And he says, don't fight these guys. Just go over. This is God's judgment on you. Because for every year that you guys did not give the land its Sabbath, you're going to have to stay in exile in this foreign land. And so I forget the number. I'm not good with math. But it was, it was a one year for all those years that they neglected that. So it ended up at 70 years. So... Um, Daniel was in prayer and he realized that he realized that this exile was coming to a close through the writings of Jeremiah the prophet so he went to full on prayer and he gets this vision and it's probably one of the most powerful things in the Bible one of the powerful projections and it actually nailed this triumphal entry down to the very day if you knew how to do the calculations and that's why I said where things get muddied when we're on this calendar and this and if you account for a leap year and this and that and I was like, ah, I'm not that good with math. 
But there's people that looked into this stuff and very exacting. And they said they should have known, you could have known that that day when Christ came into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, for Zechariah 9 9 says, Look, your king is coming to you lowly, riding on a donkey, on the foal of a donkey. They should have known. But it was, in, it was hidden, hidden from their eyes. How much of this stuff is going on right now is hidden from our eyes. Are we looking? Are we seeing? Are we? Do you know, there is so much stuff happening right now that I've chose. I know about it, but I don't really want to talk about it because I want to keep my eyes on the Lord right now. Amen. It's just too scary to look at if I look at it in the natural. But if I keep my eyes focused on the Lord, I said, no, you told us it was going to be like, you told us what to do right now. Keep your eyes on me. Don't look at the waves. Look at me. Amen. Amen. But just to put it into a, a contextual you know, a version of what we're facing right now, we are headed rapidly towards a di- digital cash situation here. Are we all aware of that? Yeah. That they want to, they want to, there's other places right now, nope, we're not taking cash. We're not taking cash already. So you think about the autonomy or the freedom that we have by using cash. You think about the control factor involved with not being able to use cash. Do you know in China that they have something called a social credit score? You play ball with the government, you probably can even travel to foreign countries. You can do this, you can do that, you can do... But if you're a dissident and you don't want to toe the party line, we can even shut off your ability to buy stuff. Isn't that what the Bible says? That's what the Bible says. We are moving into that time right now. In fact, we're moving into a time of tyranny... Where um, you guys heard about this TikTok bill that they're putting out there? That because TikTok is a Chinese uh, app, I hope you guys aren't on TikTok. You know, I watch some TikTok videos. I had it actually. I didn't know. I was like, oh, TikTok. I see a lot of people do TikTok. Then I heard, whoa, that's a Chinese app, man. That thing is tracking me. Cancel. But ch- TikTok anyway. Probably all of our apps do that anyway. But uh, TikTok, Chinese app. Putting out stuff that is not healthy for our society. And some people in the government are concerned about that. We should cancel TikTok. Oh, yeah, yeah, we should do that. And then they, they have this bill already, already made up that not only cancels TikTok, but it says if you are engaged in any kind of um, speech that we don't really care for, that we can cancel you. We're, we're talking about a fines of a mil, up to a million dollars and fines of up to, or, or uh, penalties up to 20 years in prison for going, they call it, uh, uh, for, for promoting propaganda. In, in effect, is exercising our free speech as, as Americans. That, you see a problem with that? That's a big problem, man. Do you believe the news that we're seeing nowadays? It's all just lies. Look at our former president, what they've done to him. And they're trying to put this guy in prison because they are so afraid of him running. Now, I'm not a rah-rah Donald Trump. You know, there's the political realm. I, I just look at it as there's no political solution. There's only a spiritual solution to the things that we're, we're facing right now. But I also believe that we as a church, we're the salt and the light. And we're to be praying about these things. As long as we're here, we need to try to push this stuff back. I also believe that's our responsibility. So these, you know, prophetic things, that's what makes the Bible stand out amongst other religions. That there's a prophetic element to this word that is 100% accurate. 
So just those things that I covered right now, these are just a small piece of what's happening right now and happening quickly that lends to credibility of this word. It says, this is what it's going to look like before I come back. This is what it's going to look like before I come back, right? It says, good will be called evil and evil will be called good. Anybody see what's happening with this, this whole trans thing that's going on? And they're corrupting our kids in these libraries. and doing it. It's like, whose idea is this? Who would take their kids to this stuff? Right? So this is the stuff that we're facing as a society. But praise God, Jesus conquered this stuff at the cross. Amen. He destroyed the works of the devil. That's what he said. He came. I came to destroy the works of the devil. And yet we don't see everything under subjection to Christ at this point. But believe me, it's coming. It is coming. And let me read this. This is in Daniel chapter 9. And this is, a, this is a prophetic scripture that's very inexacting. And I've listened to this and I've tried to dissect it. And it's, it's like, it's, it, my mind just can't wrap around the numbers of this sometimes. But I hope that I can at least kind of shine some light on how exacting this is, right? So if you go to nine, uh, Daniel 9 and verse 24. And so this is... Um, let me read from verse 20 just for it. it says now while I was speaking praying and confessing the sin and the sin of the people my sin and the sin of the people Israel uh, presenting my supplication before the Lord the God of the holy mountain of my God yes while I was speaking in prayer the man Gabriel whom I had seen in a vision began uh, being caused to fly swiftly reached me about the time of the evening sacrifice which was interesting because the temple was not even uh, existing at this time, but he was just making a time reference. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have come now, uh, come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you that you are greatly beloved, therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. So this is the angel giving him a preamble to what he's going to tell him. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. Seventy weeks. So you know how we chronicle time uh, here in the West? It's by a decade. It's, it's, it's a ten decades is a hundred years or seventy years is seven decades, right? We're on a, 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 a numerical way of looking at things based on ten. In the Jewish, it's, it's called a heptatic structure based on seven. So he's giving this thing in sevens in a Jewish reckoning. Because remember the penalty was, you guys didn't give the land a Sabbath. After the seven, seventh year, you should have took a rest. So things in the Bible are based on seven. It's called heptatic structure. It says, for your people. So we're talking about the Jews and the holy city is Jerusalem, right? So we're, we're narrowing this down to finish transgressions. To make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the, the holy, uh, most holy. So these are the things that the, the angel is uh, proclaiming to Daniel. This is what I'm going to tell you. Verse 25, Know, therefore, and understand from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. And the streets shall be built again, even the wall, even in troublous times. This narrows it down to the book of Nehemiah. Before that, it was Ezra that it was a decree, go back to the land and go build the temple. But here it's saying build the temple as well. Finish the temple and build the wall. So it narrows it down. There was a particular date that's inscribed, I think it was 443 uh, BC, which Artaxerxes made this command to go and do this. And he gave them the resources in order to do this. So there's a historical date 
where this was chronicled. Where this command, and, and Daniel was written way before that, way before that, right? Know therefore, and it says, verse 26, and after 62 weeks or 62 periods of sevens, it says, Messiah shall be cut off. Do you know what that means? Cut off means die an untimely death or be crucified. So this was a this was like a it was kind of like a bone in the throat or it's just like it can't compute because the Messiah comes he's bringing in an everlasting kingdom he's going to reestablish the throne of David and everything's going to be good we're going to live in peace and prosperity from the time that Messiah comes in and it's all going to be good from there right that's what the triumphal entry was about that's what they were expecting it was right before the Passover, and, and, and for the Jewish people, it was commanded to them. There are certain feasts that you have to gather. You have to gather here, and one of them was Passover. So they're thinking that, you know, Jerusalem, it's, it wasn't a massive city. But some people say that during this time of year, with the pilgrims coming in, it swelled up to their numbers up to 2 billion people. 2 million people. That's a lot of people that would come in for this pilgrimage and do the Passover. Because it was commanded in the law. Moses said, this is the thing that you're supposed to do. Come before the Lord. I want you to celebrate the Passover together this time of year. And so, uh, here we are. They were already conspiring to crucify, crucify Christ. They were already conspiring to kill him. They said, you being a man, why did they kill Jesus? Why did they crucify him? He went about healing those who are oppressed to the devil, healing people, preaching the truth. Why would you kill somebody like that? Because Jews said this, those religious Jews said this, you being a man, making yourself equal with God, because of that blasphemy, you deserve to die. There was something that happened previous to that, in the book of John, I'll look at that in a minute, where he went into... Uh, that town and uh, he, he was stayed behind it was a story of Lazarus his good friend and he says that he heard that he was sick and he stayed intentionally a couple more days in the place he was at and his disciples said you know uh, they're coming please Jesus please come please heal him and he stayed back and he waited until Lazarus was dead and he goes let's go visit let's go now let's go and he says our friend Lazarus sleeps and Jesus says uh, they go, well, if he's, if he's asleep, we'll go wake him. He says, no, he's dead. He died. And we know it was four days later. He goes into the, he calls forth from the grave. He goes, where did you lay him? Go find me the grave. Pull away the stone. They go, oh man, he's been in there four days. He's already decomposing. He calls out with a voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes walking out like a mummy with grave clothes on. They're like, Whoa. And Jesus says, this was set up because I wanted to show you guys the glory of God before I went to the cross. I wanted to show you, I have command over life and death. That's what that was about. Timing, everything timing, timing. He intentionally stayed back. It looked like a disaster. They're, Man, if you would have been here a few days, if you would have just been here in time, you could have saved him. God does what he, what he does. Verse 26, after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come, which I believe is a reference to the Antichrist, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end shall be with a flood. Until the end, 
The war and the desolations are determined and shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of a week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of an abominations shall one who makes desolation even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So it talks about it brings it up to the point of Christ's crucifixion. And then 69 weeks had been Fulfilled at this point. 69 weeks of seven had been fulfilled. There's one period left, one period of time, a seven year period that is left unfilled having to do with this prophecy. One seven year period. The tribulation. The tribulation period. It's yet to be fulfilled. It's almost like, do you ever see a, a chess game? You see somebody and. Uh, they make their move and they have those clocks. They got a clock on this side and a clock on that side. And then they make their move and then they hit the, hit the timer and the game stops. The clock stops right there. That's where we've been living for the last 200, 2,000 years. We've been living with somebody. God tapped on the clock and says, now we're in the church age. But there's a seven-year period that is yet unfulfilled. But it's coming. And we can have certainty with that by dissecting this prophecy and said, if God's word is so inexacting that they should have known the very day that Christ came into Jerusalem, they should have known. They could have known. I don't know if there was people who did know. You remember his first, the first time he came, he says, where's the Messiah supposed to be? Well, he's supposed to be uh, come from Bethlehem. But then his, his lineage was obscured because we know he went to Bethlehem to be born. But he was originally, he was originally his parents were from Nazareth. And so there was this confusion about, is he from here, there, what? And then we, so we know that those who were paying close attention would have known. But there's this obscuring in the details. It takes some concentration. I believe we're living in that time right now. We're living in a time that we need to say, the Lord Jesus says about this particular time, He says, watch, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Be aware, be watchful. He says the times we're living in right now are perilous times. They're dangerous times. The devil is going about right now like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's just stirring up contention and dissension and he's just ranging out there. Where, where, can, I, where can I cause problems right now? That's what he's trying to do, Right? It says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Submit to God. Submit to God. Let's submit to God. Let's be under his covering. Let's be under his ways of doing things. And resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right? This is our resistance right here. This is our resistance. You know, I was thinking about that. Um, this whole story as we go into this. This... So this event that we're looking at here, this was a prescribed time in the Bible where God says, you know, I heard somebody talking about this. He says, there's a lot of prophecies in the Bible, but it's very rare, very rare that it's nailed down to a particular date. 
And in studying prophecy, that, I find that to be true. Even the return of Christ, it says, no man knows the day or the hour. But we should be able to discern the season that we're in. Right? And the danger that we have, it's like the frog in the pot. The things, the, the temperature has been turned up, turned up, turned up, turned up, turned up. And we're like, oh, oh, it's a jacuzzi. It's really not bad. And the next thing you know, <laughs> you know, we lose track of how perilous this is. That we get, we get inclined to the temperament of society right now. Amen? That we don't dumb, I mean, we, 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 we lose our savor as the people of God. We lose our soul. That we allow the world to come into the church and there's no difference. The church, the world, it looks the same to me. Right? We're just loving and accepting. We accept everybody. Come in. Just come in. Come in. And, and then there's... I thought we were supposed to be called out from something. And it just... What's the point? You know? There should be a separation. I believe that when we do that, when we do the things that God wants us to do, I believe a, a fog lifts from us and we're able to see things that my, a lot of people... To me, it's obvious... To me, it's obvious. And then some people you talk to and they're just like, yeah, it looks, it's kind of weird. But yeah, it's, it's always been like this. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It's not, not as far as I'm concerned. It looks like this is a particular, particular special time we're living in right now. Right? And there's a particular specific behavior that I believe we should be engaged in right now. It's being set apart from the world, watching and praying, being aware, reading the word, getting it. It says, not forsaking ourselves, gathering together, and so much more as we see the day approaching. Yeah. Right? Man, the well, first thing that they did with this COVID thing, shut the churches down. Shut them down. And we're like, at first, we're like, well, we don't know how deadly this stuff is. We don't know. And come to find out, it was no more deadly than a common flu that we see. And yet, man, they transformed all kinds, put all kinds of things in place, took away our rights like it was nobody's business, subjected us to stuff that they had no right. The same thing is happening right now. The same things are happening right now. We have to be steeled for the battle that we're facing right now. We've got to be strong. You're going through the book of Joshua. It says, be courageous. Be very courageous. Be very strong right now. We're very close to the Lord coming back for His church. I believe that the scriptures say this, that the church is not appointed to wrath. I have not appointed my church to wrath. It's not to say that right now things are kind of rough and could get really rough. But I also know that before God pours out his wrath, he promises, I am going to take you out. I'm taking the church out of here before that last seven year period starts. Because I believe in Thessalonians, it says that which hinders shall hinder till he be taken out of the way, which I believe is the Holy Spirit's presence that began on the day of Pentecost. And once that presence is out, the dispensation goes back on the nation of Israel and that covenant with the Antichrist that this is talking about, he'll confirm a covenant with many. And once that clock, then, then the, the chessboard, bam, and then the seven year starts ticking. 
And then it says right in the middle of that seven-year period, in the middle of that seven-year period, because they're chomping at the bit to rebuild their temple, the Antichrist is going to come in there and says, I'm really God. I just wanted to let everybody know, and you need to hail me as God. And in the middle, the very middle of this seven-year period, he's going to appear in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and demand to be worshipped as God. That's called the abomination that causes desolation. And if you ever read Matthew 24, the Lord spoke about it. And he says, let the reader who reads this understand what he's reading. Do you guys understand that now? That's the word of God right there. That's what it says. There was an appointed time. There is an appointed time. We don't know when this is going to begin. But once that covenant is enforced... For their Israelis to rebuild their temple and do what they need to do. And there's a, some sort of a ceremony that says, we've united with this Antichrist character. And he's allowing us to do this. And he's enforcing this covenant. You can set your watch. The Lord is coming back in seven years from that point. That's another place where prophecy has a definite number on it. But we just don't have the beginning of that date. We don't know when that begins. Amen? Does that make sense? I hope I'm not making this confusing. Amen. I want to look at uh, Luke. Gospel of Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read... Yeah, let me read um, chapter 19, verse 28. And when he had said this... He was talking about, this is Luke chapter 19, verse 28. He was talking, he gave the parable of the minas and us being responsible for the monies that God has uh, given to us as the body of Christ, the resources that we've given, um, stewarding the gifts, stewarding the talents, stewarding the things that God has given us. Are we being um, profitable in those things? Are we being, uh, are we multiplying in those things, right? And then it goes on in verse 28, it says, And when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when it came to pass, he drew near to Bethphage and uh, Bethany at the a mountain called Olivet. And he sent two of his disciples. So Bethpage and Bethany is on the east side. It's on the Mount of Olives on the other side facing the temple. So coming from the east, going that way. And it says, Go into the village opposite you. Where you will enter, you will find a colt tied, which has no one who has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to them, because the Lord has need of it. So they were sent and went their way and found it just as he said to them. But they were loosing the colt. And the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing in the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And he went, uh, and many spread their clothes on the road. And when he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, uh, the whole multitude of disciples began rejoicing and praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is, is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Psalm 118, 26. So this was an appointed. Those, those Psalms, there's a particular amount of them around 118. I forget the, the actual uh, you know, group of them. But it's called the, uh, Psal the Psalms of Ascent. When you would go up to Israel uh, for this, the feast, and you would sing these songs. You would do this. And some of the Pharisees, verse 39, some of the Pharisees see him from the crowd. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said to them, 
If I tell you that these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Why was that? Because that was an appointed day. That was the day that he was going to be received as the Messiah of Israel. You remember how many times Jesus did a mighty miracle? He did something. He he heals the ten lepers and he tells them, don't say anything. Go to the priest and offer the sacrifice, but don't say anything. Or he would do something. Don't tell anybody about that. Heal the blind. Don't tell anybody. You remember the time where he went out into the wilderness and he fed a multitude of people. And they're out there, whoa, this is awesome. This must be the son of David. This must be the kingdom coming right now. And it says at that point, they wanted to take him and make him king. You remember that scripture? I believe it's in John, but I'm not sure. They wanted to take him at that point. And he withdrew from the crowd and he went alone by himself. And he would not allow himself to be heralded as the king of the Jews at that point. Right? This day he did. This day, Hosanna means save now, save now. We're tired of this Roman oppression. We want you to save us now, Jesus. And the crowd is whipped up into a frenzy. Who knows how many people were in on this as he's coming down the Mount of Ascents, going up to Jerusalem. And this, it says, it's interesting, one of the things that I read about this commentary in this, it says that the crowd was moved. And that says, they, they translate that word, it says, it was like a great earthquake. That people were so just, you know, hyped up over this, that probably the ground was even shaking. The same thing it says when the, the Magi came in and were inquiring, where is this king of the Jews? It says the place was moved. It was like, it was not just a small thing, but it was a big thing. That everybody's like, whoa, what's going on? What's, the, what's, what's all this commotion about? Because the son of David is coming. The son of David, the Messiah, and he's going he's gonna to cast off this, ro- this yoke of Roman oppression and he's going to bring in the kingdom now. This is the day that the Lord has made. But they forgot about the other things it said in the book of Daniel. They said Messiah was going to be cut off. He said the kingdom wasn't going to come in. He was doing parts of this, but he wasn't fulfilling the whole thing. Because he first comes in as a suffering savior and he's coming back as a triumphant king. Amen. He's coming back. Amen. And we have that understanding. We have that knowledge. Some people look at Jesus' life and they go, what difference did it make? Look how wicked the world is. Made a difference for me. Made a difference for you. That we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And our, our and Jesus says, don't be rejoicing when demons are cast out at my name. Rejoice that your names are inscribed in the Lamb's book of life. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's where we rejoice. Because this time on this earth is a blip. In the face of eternity. This is our opportunity right now to make a difference for eternity. This is our opportunity to speak this message and say, there's hope when it looks hopeless. There's light coming in the midst of darkness. In fact, I see it cracking just about. It's almost like dawn. I see the day star rising. It's coming up. Any minute it's going to dawn. Jesus Christ is coming back. We have hope in a hopeless time. Amen. This is a tremendous message. This is what he said in that going on in verse 41. It says, and now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. There's only two times recorded in the scriptures where Jesus wept. The first one was when he went to go raise Lazarus from the dead. The shortest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. 
when he went in there and he says, where did they lay him? Oh, if he would have only been here yesterday or a few days ago, he could have saved. And it's Jesus is like, man, they, I don't know. They're not getting this, man. You want to see the resurrection and the life? He's standing right here. They didn't get it. And I guess it's, I, I would be pretty frustrated if I was Jesus. You're spending all this time. And he tells us, are you guys still so dense? Are you still so, don't you understand yet? And I go, no, Lord, we don't understand. <laughs> we are kind of dense. Help us here. <laughs> Help us to understand. We don't get it sometimes. Amen. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. He was like, hi, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. Disobedience hides these things. It obscures it. It puts it into a fog. And you're like, we don't get it. Miss it. Like a ship passing in the night. For the days will come upon you when the enemies will build an embankment, uh, embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you with your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Serious. That was fulfilled. Fulfilled to the word. 70 A.D. The Romans, the Jews are just being rebellious and being rebellious. And we don't want, the Messiah should have came. And there are people coming up and claiming that they're this and claiming that they're that. And this rebellion is just being fermented in this place. And these Jews are difficult people because they believe in one God and they don't want to be under our heel with this stuff. And it's difficult. And then there's this rebellion that breaks out. And the Romans says, that's it. Let's quash, let's squash this thing. So they surround them. And they put, the Romans were master engineers. And what they would used to do with a situation like this, they call it siege warfare. So they would get their engineers and they'd go over there with their shovels or whatever and start piling up dirt and make these big berms around the whole city. And basically, you're cut off now. Nothing's getting in, nothing's coming out. We're going to starve you out until you capitulate. And that's what they would do. And so they did that. They started making their siege. And then all of a sudden there was a situation in Rome where they pulled back. One of the generals had to go and leave. And all the Christians I heard who were in the city remembered the words of Jesus. And he says, get out of Dodge, get out of town. And they left. According to Henry Matarito, who does his studies in Israel, he said, this is where there was a major separation between the Jewish Christians and the traditional Jews. They felt that they were traitors. But I said, Jesus said for us to get out. And I heard, now I never looked into this myself, but I heard that not one true Christian perished in this siege warfare. But the rest, over a million were killed, and the rest were taken off into slavery to Egypt in such numbers that it says the Egyptian says, we don't even want to buy them. We don't have enough money to buy these people. And that's where the diaspora took place until up to... Uh, the, the, the turn of this century, 1948, where Israel was recognized as a people back in their own land with their restored language and their culture. Amazing. Spread out. And, and people would read these prophetic scriptures about Israel being restored as a nation. And they go, well, let's spiritualize it because Israel doesn't ex exist as a nation. 
We, it can't be talking about a real nation of Israel because they don't exist. And there was traditionalist, her, strict hermeneutic study that says, no, at some point Israel will be reconstituted as, as a nation. They we're talking back before the turn of the century who held to the scriptures. If the scripture says they're going to be back there in the last days, it's going to happen, even though it seemed very unlikely. And it happened. And we're living in those times. And Jesus said, in the latter days, when I gather my people back into the land, these are going to be the conditions that herald my coming back to this earth to establish my kingdom. But even seven years before that, me taking my people out of here because I have not appointed my church to wrath. Hallelujah! It's all here. It's all here. We ask, God, show me this in the Word. Don't just listen to me. Look into this yourself. Is this true? I know some of you guys are uh, prophecy, you know, have an interest in this. And you know what I'm saying? Is this true? This is true, what I'm saying, right? J.D. Farage, he's preaching this. He, they go cover to cover. They, let's look at all the scriptures having to do with this. And let's not just pick and choose the stuff. with All of them. And this is what it says. That we don't miss the time of the visitation. That we don't say, well, they've always said that Jesus is coming back. That we don't miss the fact that these things are coming at us fast and furious. That we're not sidetracked by the temptations because there's a lot of temptations out there, right? It's all being amped up. Oh, come on, more. Oh, dude, you want to sell out for this? You want to sell out for that? Aaron just told me a story about some rapper you know, I don't want to mention the name, but sounds like she repented. You know, because they offer them everything. You want to go with this deal? We'll do this and this and this and this and this. It only costs you your soul. And she finally probably had Christian background roots and somebody praying for her. And she says, I'm done. I cast it. I, I don't want that. I want Jesus. Got baptized. God He's able to save to the uttermost. As long as we're breathing. As long as we're breathing. That's our message. That's our mission. Do you know anybody who needs this message? I think we all do. We got some empty seats in this church. We should be bringing them. We're having an Easter. This is, I look at this story right here, and and I, I wanted to go a little bit further, but. It's almost like I like Star Wars. I don't like the New Age version, you know, the, the mentality behind it. But I love a good story with good visuals, man. And, and Star Wars was breathtaking. It was just like, the, in, as far as I'm concerned, the movie industry was going down the tank. And then Star Wars came in and it was just like, oh, I never saw special effects like this before. This is amazing. And you remember, because they didn't have the kind of computers we got now, you had to wait like three years for the next installment. And so we got Star Wars. Oh, it's glorious. And then we had to wait another three years, and it was more fantastic, the visuals. But it was hanging in the balance. The Empire Strikes Back. Luke is hanging from an antenna. Everything's in peril. Uh, What's his name? (laughs) No, uh, not Darth Vader. Uh, <laughs> not Chewbacca's face. Han Solo, there you go. Han Solo's in carbon freeze. It's a mess. Everything's hanging in the balance. I'm leaving you right there in this story, right? There. It's hanging in the balance. 
They're heralding him as king. And then just a few days later, they whip the crowd up into a frenzy to say, let's crucify him. How does it go from this to that? Crucify him, crucify him. And even Pilate said, what did he do? What did he do? He knew that they were jealous. He knew that there was a purpose behind. There was a, a political agenda to this. Crucify him, crucify Just before they're shaking the ground with, save now, son of David, save now. And then the priests go through the crowd and say, well, if he was really the Messiah, you think he'd be in front of them in a, in a crowd like I've been mean, getting tried? He would, the Messiah wouldn't do that. And turn the crowd, because the crowd is always right. Is the crowd right? A lot of times, no. It takes a deeper look into these things. Discernment. Looking at things deeper. What is the, what is the meaning of this? We're all subject to these things. The Word of God is our, la- our light and our lamp. It helps us to be able to conduct ourselves in these perilous times right now. Cling to His Word. Study His Word. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Show me. Illuminate my path, Lord. Give me wisdom. Things are not always what they perceive to be. Amen? Amen. The crowd was whipped. Yes, let's do this, man. And even that. The Roman soldiers. This is not humanly possible. Not humanly possible that as he's up there and he's being jeered, he's been whipped, he's got a crown of thorns. He's saying, are you the king of the Jews? He says, did somebody tell you that? Or are you asking for yourself? Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say. I am the king of the Jews. With a crown of thorns pressed in his head. And when you get poked in your head, you know how much it bleeds? Huh? Blood running down his back, opened up to the point you can see bones from the whipping that he took. Carry your cross up there, king of the Jews. Whacking him with a reed on his head to push that crown down more so it's more painful. Mocking him, beating him. It says he pulled out his beard, they spat at him, they slapped him in his face. And then he's up on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Is he dead yet? Break his legs. The scripture says not one bone would be broken. They go up to him. No, he's dead already. You sure? Yeah. Let's make sure. Jab him in the side. Says he was pierced for our transgression. Blood and water come out. Broken heart. Died from a broken heart. Plant the seed in the ground. Plant that seed in the ground. And that's where I'm going to end the story. Because next week, next week, He didn't stay in the ground. Amen. Amen. Everything he said was true. Everything he said is coming, is coming. Everything he said about us, if we have faith, we are covered by his precious blood. Amen. 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 We have security in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have his favor. Because we received it by faith. Not on our performance. Not on, I'm so good. Yeah, he has to accept me. I beg to differ. It's because we had faith in what he did. That we partake in his righteousness. And this story shows how much it costs to give us this gift. Amen. Let's pray.